Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, November 1st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Well, no outcome in college football this season surprised me more than the one in Manhattan, Kansas on Saturday. Not that Kansas State defeated Oklahoma State, but the 48-0 score was remarkable. If a team can play a perfect game, K-State did just that. Now they have to find a way to follow that with another big performance with Texas arriving this weekend. On today's show, beat writer Kelvis Robinette breaks down what he saw on Saturday, and all of a sudden there's a quarterback decision to make with the Wildcats, Will Howard or Adrian Martinez. Howard is filled in admirably for the injured Martinez, but Adrian is 100%, or if he is 100%, does he get his job back? Kelvis and I discuss. After a break, we shift gears and talk about the Big 12's new media rights deal with ESPN and Fox Sports, as originally reported by the Sports Business Journal. The deal is worth $2.28 billion and, frankly, is better than what I thought the Big 12 would get. Okay, let's get started talking Kansas State with Kellis Robinette. Kellis, what got into Kansas State on Saturday in their 48 to nothing victory over Oklahoma State? Uh, it was kind of the, um, you know, you've heard of Murphy's Law, where everything can that can go wrong, will go wrong. It was the pretty much the exact opposite of that. <laughs> everything that could go right, went right, went better than right. I mean, you talk about an ideal day. I was trying to think about this uh, the other night. When was the last time Kansas State put together just that dominant of a game where you look back and you're making the grades and it's just A plus here, A plus there, A plus there, perfect. I mean, the, the only thing I could really compare it to was that time you and me were in the press box in West Virginia and we saw Colin Klein beat uh, Geno Smith in West Virginia by like a million points. Uh, but I mean, th- th- they were that good. I, I was worried that um, the offense would struggle if Adrian Martinez wasn't in there. We've seen Will Howard start against Oklahoma State twice in the past and it didn't go well for Kansas State. But uh he, man, a week of practicing with the ones did a lot of good for him because he looked like a Heisman contender out there throwing the ball. 296 yards, four touchdowns. I think it helped them that Adrian Martinez didn't play. Uh, I mean, he was great. The defense, I, I was stunned that they 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 go out there without Daniel Green at linebacker, perhaps their best defensive player, and they shut out uh, one of the country's best offenses and they do it with, um, you know, while they're rotating in uh, freshman linebackers like Jake Clifton, people we'd never really uh, thought were going to be playing or out there just making key tackles and big stops against this high-powered offense. And, uh, it, it, I mean, it was impressive. There was nothing to critique after that one. We'll get into QB1 here in a moment, but I wanted to ask you if there was any way to foresee what had happened. I knew the, the Cats were like a – I saw the line shift from like uh, one and a half to two and a half uh, as K-State being favored. But the Pokes were coming off a really nice comeback victory over Texas. The only loss that they had had coming into the game was the um, the, the come from ahead loss to, to TCU at Fort Worth, where it looked like the, the Cowboys were the better team for most of that game. I I had I didn't see anything to indicate that this would happen. And I saw it where after the game, Mike Gundy said something about, you know, they tweaked a couple things and, and it was a big mistake to do that. But I don't know. Did was there anything about prep week or anything Kleiman said or anything to indicate that the Wildcats were about to put this big beat down on the number one <laughs> nine ranked team? Um 
if you're asking me if there's any, you know, looking back, if there's anything that should have made me say, oh, of course, Kansas State was going to um, win uh, the most lopsided shutout against the top 10 team in more than 50 years. Um, no, there was not. Uh, I, <laughs> there's nothing that would, even if I could go back in the past, that would have made me, you know, had a time machine other than having like the sports almanac that they had in Back to the Future 2 telling me the score was going to be 48-0. There's no other reason I would have laid 47 points uh, with the Cats in that scenario. Um, the only thing I can really say is that Oklahoma State was down um, some key starters. Um, they did have Spencer Sanders, so I think a lot of people focused on health-wise who has the healthy quarterback. Span Sanders is healthy. Martinez is out. Advantage Oklahoma State. Um, I think Kansas State overall which seems odd because last week we spent a lot of time talking about how beat up they were. They were the healthier team in this game. Again, that doesn't explain a 48-point margin, but I think that had something to do with it. Um, the other things I would say are that um, Kansas State, when they play from ahead, is just a, a different team. They can do a lot. Of, they can do everything they want on offense. They can dictate the pace of the game. Um, a few other things, and they did that in the scenario. They, they scored on their first drive, touchdown, um, no doubt about it. Um, I will also say that I, I think Oklahoma State probably caught Kansas State at a bad time because last week when they played TCU, what happens? They go up 28 to 10. Um, some things go wrong for them and they can't finish it off. This week they were, I think, wary of that and kept the pedal to the metal. You saw at the end of the first half, normally at the end of half, Chris Kleiman wants nothing to do with being aggressive in those situations. He's always kneeling on the ball, always punting. Jake, you know, all his time in North Dakota State where they were big favorites, he was just a guy who said, let's not do anything wrong. Let's get to the locker room. In this situation, they got the ball uh, at the end of the second quarter and said, no, we're going for it. They drive downfield. They throw a touchdown pass to Deuce Vaughn, basically on the final play. Um, they weren't they weren't letting Oklahoma State hang around in this one. And I think maybe that had something to do with that. Their mindset was just we, we got to score as many points as possible against this team. And then their defense played great. The defense played great at home all season. That's believing out their second shutout at home this season. Um, they're just tough to play in that half. Absolutely, they are. All right, we've got to get into it. Um, Will Howard was fantastic. Adrian Martinez has been fantastic throughout the year. It's a great, maybe the best quarterback situation in the country for, <laughs> for any program right now. What happens? What what is what what's going to happen at practice this week? And before you answer that, tell us what happened on Saturday when it came to um, you know pregame observations and what you saw, what you thought, and then what happened. Yeah, well, it was uh, it, it was a little unusual um, because usually when there is a little bit of controversy on who on the quarterback, you came to say when they're dealing with somebody who is not quite healthy. They have been known to have Skylar Thompson and some previous quarterbacks go out there hurt with no intent of playing and warm up. But the ruse kind of ends usually when it comes time to take snaps from the starting center. Whoever's doing that is usually the guy who's going to start the game. Uh, whoever ends warmups doing 11 on 11 work with the starters always starts the game. I've never seen it where uh, the guy who does that does not start. So they fooled me pretty good. Um, I thought that Adrian Martinez was going to start based on the way he's moving around in warmups, the way he was taking all the snaps with um, starting center Hayden Gillum, the way he finished up warmups as uh, the QB1 in the lineup. It really looked from what the press box like he was going to start. 
Um, and I think that was the plan. If he was healthy enough, he was going to do it. But they treated it as a true game time decision. A lot of times coaches say that just as a cliche, but they know ahead of time what they're going to do. In this situation, they literally let Adrian warm up. They let Will warm up. And then right before they took the field, they had a meeting with uh, Chris Kleiman, Colin Klein, and the quarterbacks and said, all right, how are we feeling health-wise? What do we need to do? Apparently, it was in that conversation where Adrian Martinez said, look, my knee is just not quite 100% yet. Will, I, I got a lot of confidence in Will. I think you guys should start him. I, I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know if I'm a better option than him for this game. So they said, all right, sounds good. We'll start Will Howard. Then he goes out there and has the game of his life. So that, that's how that unfolded. A very, um, you know, very close deal. Um, Adrian was, you know, nearly in shape to start this game. Would make you think that he's uh, going to at least be healthy enough to start this week against Texas. But that, uh you know, you would think that that would clear up the quarterback picture, but I think it makes it even murkier because do you really want to send the guy back to the bench you just threw for 296 yards and four touchdowns? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. That's, I really don't know what the approach is there. Well, let's talk about it just for a second. The case for both, and assuming Adrian Martinez is as healthy as he needs to be to play in a game, I think, first of all, if if this if the situation is the same as it was this past week and and Martinez says I still have a little pain and I wouldn't be a hundred percent then I think that makes it an easy call but assuming Martinez has uh, you know is as close to a hundred percent as he can be what should happen what's what's the case for and the case against I I'll start um I I, I think Martinez gives the Wildcats a you know an, an you know, the type of quarterback that can cause a little more pressure, uh, put a little more pressure on defenses than Will Howard can. And yet Howard's got the better arm and, um, you know, maybe a little bit more of a, you know, an accurate, he's a little bit more of an accurate passer. I think if all things were equal, I'd go Martinez, but I've talked to other people in the, you know, since the end of the K-State game that said, uh, how could you bench Will Howard? How could, how could you put him, you know, how could you not play him after what you just saw? I don't know. I just think Martinez gives them the optimum chance of victory. What say you, Kellis? Well, those are great points. I would lean. I mean, it's tough because they've got plans for both of them. Adrian's a one-year rental. If you've got to use him, you got to use him now. You can't save him for later. Will, ideally, they want to redshirt him, play him in just four games. So he still has three years of eligibility left. Dream scenario, if he's going to play this good, you could have him for three seasons going down the line. Maybe that's more beneficial. I think that will have a little bit of an impact on what they do here. I agree with you that if there is any doubt, if Adrian comes out there next week and says, I still don't know, I mean, why why, why in the world would you risk at that point? You got to go with Will Howard. But if both guys are totally healthy and the choice is strictly who gives us the best chance to win, I think they should stick with Howard. I would go with the hot hand. I really like what I've seen the last two weeks out of his arm. 225 yards at TCU on the road, 296 yards last week against Oklahoma State at home. I, I just think the offense opens up with him in there as the thrower. Um, he's made Kate Warner look like a highlight machine the last two weeks. I didn't know he he could make plays at the rate he is, but he's looked like an all-Big 12 receiver unbelievably with Howard throwing him the ball. Um, and – I think that's made defenses back off. I think that's part of the reason that Deuce Vaughn had such a big day on the ground against Oklahoma State. And it, if 
if throwing the ball is going to make defenses back off, then all of a sudden you don't need that extra running threat that Adrian Martinez brings. Um, I mean, it's, it's a tough call. Uh, I would lean Howard personally. The only other, uh, the other scenario would be just to play both in some kind of weird platoon where you have Adrian run, have Will throw, and just keep the defense off balance. I, I don't really love that idea because I think that makes both, both quarterbacks, you know, keeps them off, for, off balance and out of rhythm. But if there's a way you could pull it off, you could keep them both sharp. Maybe that could work too. Yeah, look, I, it, it can be an advantage to an offense to have change of pace quarterbacks, to have a guy who's, um, you know, um, can, can do has, has a little bit different skill set and and use him and and even early in a game decide who's who who is more being more effective in in this game. Um, and and if look if if this say they start Will Howard and he goes out and there's a couple of three and outs right away, you can, you, the Wildcats will have the ability to change the pace and do something that most teams don't have an option in that regard. So it's a great problem for the Wildcats. The opponent is Texas, and man, does that um, does that you know stir up some um, some emotions in Kansas State fans. Not for the for the least of which reasons they they've beaten K State five straight games. Kellis, you and I know, and a lot of Kansas State fans know, there was a time when the Wildcats owned this series, mm-hmm. and now lately it's it's been Texas. So uh, the Longhorns come in uh, as a I've seen two and a half and three as the the number uh, as a favorite in this game, but Texas coming off an open week. I don't know. I I, I, I to me I, I think it'd be hard hard to bet against Kansas state this weekend after just what we just saw and the other factor. And I read this in your five things to, to know about the, the K state Texas game is Steve Sarkeesian, not a great road coach since he's been at Texas. Yeah. Well, one in six in true road games as a Longhorns coach, that doesn't still a whole lot of confidence that they're going to be able to go on the road here and, and beat the number 13 team in the country right now. Um, I guess if you were looking for reasons to pick Texas, I would start in just that they have two of the conference's best running backs, Bajon Robinson, Roshan Johnson. Um, I mean, Kansas State went to Texas last year, and they were without uh, – they didn't have uh, – whoever their quarterback was last year, he transferred to Nebraska. Yeah, he was out or he was playing, but with like one hand, it was, he was not an effective thrower. Robinson was out. They just put Roshan in a Wildcat quarterback. And <laughs> uh, I laugh. I'm sorry for laughing, thinking back, but unbelievably that strategy works. It was enough to beat Texas, just running with a running back all out of the QB formation all game. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen. Um, but now, now you add Bajan back into the mix. Um, and the last time Kansas State played like a dangerous running back at TCU, uh, they, they couldn't stop their running back. Um, he put up over 150 yards on them. So, Again, I, I'm not saying I would bet on Texas, but if you were, Kansas State has been susceptible at times against the run. So that's one reason why maybe you lean that way. They're p- potentially healthy coming off a of bye week. Give Gary Patterson, um, their defensive specialist coach, assistant, whatever you want to call it, a little little extra time to analyze the Wildcats. Maybe that helps them in some ways. Uh, but I'm with you. I would, especially with the points at home, I would, I would back the Cats here. Um, and I say that because the, the offense has been humming the last couple of weeks. It doesn't really matter, at least to me anymore, who the starting quarterback is. I think one way or another, they'll be able to put up points. It's not like uh, there's going to be a big drop off. 
And uh, the other thing I'll go back to is just the defense at home. They've been un- unbelievable. They're allowing 12 points uh, at home this season. It would be even lower if uh, when they played Missouri, they didn't get that fluke touchdown at the bitter end in garbage time. Took a that, timeout. Uh, took a timeout. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, bizarre fumble. Timeout. Last play of the game. Garbage time touchdown. Without that, the numbers would be even lower. If they've had two shutouts, they've forced 14 turnovers at home. I don't know what the deal is when they go on the road. They haven't forced a single turnover in a road game. But, hey, this game ain't in Austin. It's in Manhattan. So that's, that's I think, why I would go Cats here. Okay. Well, we will uh, look, look forward to your betting story that, you're, that you've been writing every week, Kevlis's best bets. It's been fun to follow. How, how are you doing, by the way, on, on your best bets? Well, I was doing great until the last two weeks. Um, I had it up over like 10 games over 500 on the season and I think six straight winning weeks. Uh, but the, the last two have been unkind. I would have had a winning week this last week, but uh, USC gave up a uh, another garbage time touchdown late in the fourth quarter against Arizona. So they went from covering by half a point to all of a sudden only winning by 10. And it was meaningless to me at that point. They, uh, they won the game, but they lost it for their backers. So. Got smacked by the back door once again. <laughs> There's, no, I'll tell you, the bet I'm glad I was not in on, I stayed away from it, um, was TCO West Virginia. Did you see how that that bet worked? <laughs> West Virginia had the back door cover, looked like in the bag, and then for like no good reason, TCU throws a touchdown pass. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Buzzer. Yes. <laughs> Those are killers. It's, that's why it's, it's next to impossible. It just is um, sports betting, especially college football. That, that is for sure. All right. Well, hey, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, there's uh, another significant piece of news involving Kansas State, KU, Iowa State, and the rest of the Big 12. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the E-Edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says Start a Subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We're back on Sportsbeat KC, talking Kansas State and college sports with Kevin Robinette, who covers Kansas State for the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star. And on Sunday around noon, Kellis, the little news item pops up on my social media feed that the Big 12, let's give uh, Sports Business Journal credit for this. They broke the story that the Big 12 had reached an agreement, a media rights agreement with ESPN and Fox Sports for six years, starting in the 25-26 school year. And the numbers are a grand total of $2.28 billion, which works out to $380 million a year, which works out even more to $31,666,000 per school for six years, ending in the 2030-31 school year. And that's an... Listen, the numbers are going to be a little bit off because, uh, as I understand it, there's 
at least when Bob Bowlesby was the commissioner, there was going to be a phase-in period for the new schools, uh, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and Central Florida. I don't know if that's still the case, but at any rate, $380 million a year um, divided by 12 comes out to about $31.7 billion a year. So let's just use that number. Currently, Big 12 schools from their media deal, including Texas and Oklahoma, get $22 million. That was from the deal that was signed back in uh, 2012. So it's like a 72% increase from the media rights fee, uh, media rights fees. And I don't know, Kellis, I, you and I, we, we've done shows on, on, you know, Brett Yormark, the new commissioner and, and media rights deals and how important it is to the Big 12. This is pretty dang good as far as I'm concerned for, for the Big 12 and for, for K-State and KU and, and all the schools in the league that are going to be without the bell cows, Texas and Oklahoma, starting in the 25-26 year. This is this is quite a feat for Brett Yurmark, a victory for him. And you know, I know we haven't had a chance to talk to athletic directors about this yet, but I've got I got to think they'd be thrilled with this. Well, here's the best way I can summarize it. So remember, um, right after Oklahoma and Texas word got out, they were going to leave for the SEC, and Bob Bowlesby was at that kind of weird. Um, congressional hearing or whatever in Texas yeah. in Austin where they basically made Texas come out and answer for their sins or whatever and everybody aired their grievances um well Bob Bowlesby comes out and says that without Texas and Oklahoma Big 12 is going to lose half their TV value more or less that's what he says um so at that point people are just panicking you go from 22 million a year down to potentially 11 million dollars a year. Um, no bueno. That's that's not going to. That number would have been disastrous. Not nearly enough for teams in the Big 12 to you know compete with Big 10 SEC money. Um, and then new commissioner comes in. He gets a deal done with the ESPN and Fox, and all of a sudden the TV value alone is going to be 31 and a half million. So you go from looking at 11 million to 20 million dollars more per year per school. Uh, if you'd have told anyone at that time when Bowlesby said that remark that that's what they were going to get in their next TV deal, they would have taken that in a heartbeat. They would have been dancing. They might be dancing now in the streets uh, with the deal that came out. It's it's a little hard to say exactly how great of a deal it is because we haven't seen what the Pac-12 is going to get yet. It's possible they could get more money, and if they do, then all of a sudden, maybe you could second guess a little bit. But I, I think this is uh, just impressive work from the new commissioner to go out and increase increase everybody's money that significantly without Texas and Oklahoma around. And you keep the Big 12 on um, the two biggest networks out there, Fox and ESPN. That's the one worry about the Pac-12 Pac and their deal is that even if they get a good number, they're going to be on Amazon or Apple TV or something where it's just more difficult to watch. And you don't have, you know, college game day, ESPN always pumping up and showing your stuff and promoting your conference. So to get those things together, more money, equal exposure. Um, I mean, slam dunk deal for, for him. That uh, I did not see that coming. So very, very impressive, at least in my mind. Absolutely, it is. And when we when we talk about the the 31 million that that each school receive in the in the new um, the new structure. That does not include um, money that schools receive receive from the college football playoff, the 
the uh, NCAA tournament. There are several sources of revenue streams that come into the conference that get distributed to the schools that are other than the media rights figure. Now, that's the largest chunk of it by far, but there are more. So what I'm saying is the Big 12 schools are not going to get just $31.5 million from the conference. They're going to get that plus the, um, the other monies. And so how much is that worth? Well, think about this. This past year, um, the, the Big 12 distributed about $42.5 million to each school, and 22 of that came from the television contract. So about $20 million over and above the television contract money came from um, other, other sources. Now, it's going to help. It always helps to have two or three teams in the college football playoff bowls, and uh, I don't know if, how much that's going to be the case when the even when the the uh, uh, the college football players playoff is expanded to twelve teams, we'll, we'll have to see. But anyway, there is more money to be had, and so it's not unreasonable for schools in the Big Twelve to start thinking about fifty million dollar a year payouts from the conference, fifty million dollars a year in payouts. And yes, it's less than the SEC and the Big Ten, and will always be less than the SEC and the Big Ten. It is more, however, than the ACC, and I will I'll suspect that it, whatever the Pac-12 ends up with, it'll be more than what the Pac-12 schools are getting. So it's, um, uh, it is it is a big day for, uh, for the, it was a big day for the Big 12 when this news leaked out, and, and now they can at least continue without this worry, because it's always in the back of the minds of athletic officials, um, you know, ADs, coaches, even, you know, this, it, it speaks to the stability of the conference and the security of the conference. Well, that's been taken care of now, at least in through t- until 2031. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Um, the biggest thing this does is it brings stability to the conference. Um, that was somewhat in doubt before this, but now that it's here, I mean, especially if, if, after the Pac-12 gets their deal done, and if the Pac-12, Big 12 indeed is number three in, uh, you know, per school payouts from its conference at the end of it, um, there's no reason any school would be looking to leave. Um, the, the future of the conference would be fine. You wouldn't be, like you said, worrying about somebody else coming in and stealing your teams. The only real question would be, is this deal good enough for the Big 12 to potentially flex its muscles and steal a team from another conference? Is it? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. We'll have to see what the Pac-12 comes up with. But, um, it, I mean, hey, if you're one of those schools that's wondering, is there going to be stability in the Pac-12? Is somebody going to leave for the Big Ten down the line? It might It might seem appealing to look at the Big 12 because it certainly seems like they're not going anywhere. Right. Listen, I think if, um, if, if the Pac-12 doesn't come up with a decent package, a media rights package for its schools, what's to keep in Arizona, Arizona State from looking at the Big 12 and having – you know, a conversation with uh, with Brett Yurmark or even Utah and, and Colorado as well. The Four Corners schools, as as they're called, I wouldn't I wouldn't take that off the table. Listen, I'm I don't want to see that happen. I, I don't want to see the Pac-12 break up. I, I think there's room for five Power Five conferences, and uh, I'd like to see the Pac-12 stay together for the same reasons I, I always wanted the Big 12 to stay together. I it, it doesn't need if it doesn't need to happen, don't let it happen. So. Um, that's just maybe the, the old school in me. Um, 
All right. So the I guess the last question, I know we haven't given it any thought yet, but when when we do get to the 12 team league, um, do, do, does football go to divisions? Uh, do, there is going to continue to be a conference championship game. Should the Big 12 go to two 16 divisions like it used to? And we could say the same thing about the next couple of years when it's 14. But I'm, I'm looking when it's a 12 team. You know, that's the future of the Big 12. Uh, or do they just take the, the, the top two teams like they've been doing since, what, 2013? That's a great question. And I keep asking. <laughs> I keep asking Big 12 people what they want to do about it. And they, they just shrug the shoulders. They don't know. Um, they got to figure it out at some point. But you could get, you can make an argument both ways. Um, I, I think... For the longest time, I would have said divisions, just because that's what I'm familiar with. That's what we had in the old Big 12 North, Big 12 South days, and that worked out pretty good. Um, but I, I think any more, you know, just about everybody's getting rid of the divisions. Um, I don't know, is the SEC, have they decided what they're going to do there? They, they haven't decided yet if they're going to have scheduled pods, they're going to keep the divisions, they're just going to send the top two teams. That, that, that hasn't been decided yet when Texas, Oklahoma joined them. Right. But I think the Pac-12, they've already decided no more divisions. I think the ACC, same way. They're not going to have the Atlantic and the Coastal anymore. Um, and did, did the Big Ten do that, too? Uh, legend, <laughs> legends and leaders, uh, north and south, east, west, whatever the Big Ten does. Um, I don't know if that has been decided uh, for, for them. Okay. But you're right. The trend has been to get rid of divisions and just have do the Big 12 model, right? The top two teams play in the championship game. Of course, it doesn't work ideally with the other conferences since the big 12 teams all play each other in a complete round robin, but, right. but they seem to have been satisfied with their top two teams playing each other in the title game. I think, I think I would go with the latter say no divisions. We'll just have, you know, we'll have K state play KU and Iowa state every year and then rotate everybody else. We'll have uh, Texas so, tech play Baylor and TCU and Houston every year and then rotate everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Scheduling um, pods, yeah. Yeah, scheduling pods. It, it would be a little weird because you'd have seasons where some teams get in there because they avoided, you know, the toughest teams on the schedule. Um, but at the same time, if the goal is to get the best two teams in the game and help make sure that your best team is going to the college football playoff, I think that's the way to do it. Um, I, there were just too many years where in the old north-south where the south champion was great. The North champion was lousy and vice versa. I mean, it wasn't there a year when Texas played Colorado and the score was literally like 70 to three. 73, Mason Crosby, <laughs> Mason Crosby kept Colorado from getting a shutout. Yep. I, I covered that game in Houston. Oh, you were there? You awful. went? It was awful. It was oh, awful. That, there were a lot man. of those. There was a 42 to three. There was uh, Missouri lost a couple of big score games, or at least one anyway, to Oklahoma. Oh, some of those games were just terrible. And you're right; it would have been so much better if the top two teams in the league had played, and not the, and not the division winners. Um, so anyway, you were at that game. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Seven, uh, and I'll tell you what: I, Colorado fans are still angry about. Um, there was a big hit. I remember. Um, their quarterback got crushed late in the game and it didn't need to happen. And, um, but, uh, yeah, that was embarrassing. That was, look, that was the, uh, that was the Texas, I believe pretty sure that was the Texas team that went on to win the national championship with Vince Young. So mm -hmm. it's a hell of a Texas team, no doubt about it, but that game did not need to happen. Did well, not need that, to happen. Well, that, 
I'll, then I'll, I'll go ahead and say after after that that yes, no divisions. I don't want another seventy to three championship game. Not in this conference, Blair. All right, I want something closer. Commissioner Kellis Robinette has thrown down the gauntlet. <laughs> All right, hey Kellis, great conversation as always, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, George Howard, Randy Mason, and Jeff Rosen. Tip of the cap to Callis Robinette for sharing his Kansas State insights. Morning Sports Edition, it's the nation's best digital sports page. Find out what I mean by going to liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC Talking Sports in Kansas City.